Perspectives. Perspectives is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And my hope is that by listening to these interviews, you'll find something that you can use. Today is an interview I bet you will be able to because we are talking now with my friend, CEO of Zambezi, Jean Freeman. Welcome. Thanks, Katie. Excited to be here. Let's just jump right in. Zambezi is one of the largest female-owned firms in LA. And could you talk a little bit about what it is to have a, a big female-owned firm and also Zambezi and what you guys do? Yeah. Um, let me give you a little bit of background on Zambezi. So yeah. we're a creative agency. Um, we've been in business 13 years. And I came in about year two when it was still in its startup phase and really helped operationalize and help scale it from about two to about 50. Had the opportunity three years ago to take over control of the business and since then have been continuing to have it scale. So again, we're a creative agency, so we create advertising campaigns for consumer brands. You know, our, client our clients include TaylorMade Golf, Venmo, Auto Trader, Ultimate Software. Um, so really focused on the consumer end mm -hmm. and everything from TV campaigns to digital experiences. So the thing is, which I didn't really quite realize, and then also from a standpoint of knowing that, you know, I have an obligation to be an example of what female-owned businesses can be moving forward. So yes, we are one of the largest in Los Angeles. Um, but from a scale perspective, I think it just puts in, in perspective of, you know, our business is, you know, top line is 30 million. Um, and that's one of the largest women-owned businesses in one of the, in LA, you know, LA, which is, has a population of 20 million. So I think you're seeing from a scale perspective that women still have a long way to go in yeah. terms of ownership. And I get that question often of, well, what does it mean from a female perspective? And I would love to be just known as a business owner. But I think it, with you know in where we are today, the more visibility that we can give to women-owned businesses and let them have shine, then I'm all for that. Yeah, I totally agree. But now business is really in your blood because besides Zambezi, you come from a family who has a quite a large business or $100 million business, Blue Sky, that you've helped scale to where it is today. Yeah. What's it like coming from those kind of roots? And also, what's it like working with family? Yeah. Well, that's what I've become an expert in working with family. I never intended to have that be my career path. Mm -hmm. um, but so I, I, have, I have also seen the impact that small business ownership can give specifically to families. So my dad was um, spent a lot of time on the corporate side on specifically marketing, ended his career as a corporate CEO for Dayrunner, which I don't even, you know, now the big, you know, planners, uh, yeah. but started Blue Sky uh, 15 years ago, which is still based in paper products, you know, planners, calendars, notebooks. And really my role in the early days of the company was to create its licensing division, which if you think about paper products, um, women are the main consumers of that. So really what I did is worked with independent designers, which happen to be 100% women also, to create unique collaborations for some of our largest retailers, which are Target, Walmart, um, and office superstores. So really helped scale that business when I came in. I think the business was around 15 million and yeah, they're close to 100 million 
this year. And I, t I told you, just as a little side note, really, people love your products. My sister in January sent me a text message, and she said, you know, I'm getting my life in order this year, and here's my new planner. It's so pretty. It's just making me happy. And she sent me this picture of this really pretty planner, and at the bottom, it said blue sky. And I was like, oh, see? Exactly. <laughs> your products are changing lives or organizing people. Yep. Well, one of the things that, and you, you, you mentioned it very briefly when we were just talking and you said you feel you have an obligation to women and you've always, from what I can see, you have always found ways to give back to other women that might not have had a background of you know business-minded parents mm -hmm. teaching them. So I know that there's a number of things that you do working with women entrepreneurs and helping their, them grow their businesses. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important to you? Well, I think if you think of from a standpoint, women are starting businesses at a record rate. And I, women are doing that because they want to have more control. And the corporate environment that was set up centuries ago does not work for a lot of women and working families. So people are going at it themselves, which I completely respect and love, and really just wanting to be um, an, you know, a, a, a person that can sh they can learn from and from my story. So I'm very involved with entrepreneurs organizations, specifically the LA chapter, and have also put a focus specifically on the women within the chapter, and then also women. It's a global organization, which is wonderful. Um, the women's they have a yearly women's summit, and uh, this summer it's going to be in Colombia, which I'm planning on attend attending, and just expanding my network to helping women scale their businesses. If uh, a woman entrepreneur wants to do something, find out more information about that, or just wants to see how they can find a mentor, is there anything you suggest they do? I really, the first step for entrepreneurship, I really think, is to really evaluate not necessarily what your passion is, because a lot of times passion doesn't translate into a viable business. Mm -hmm. It's really figuring out what your super strength is. What can you do that no one else can do? Because that is really the impetus of what's going to move a business forward. So a lot of it comes to self-reflection. I always encourage women to have that be the first thing. And then also to network. Networking is so important because the educational, um, there's, there's such an educate. what am I trying to say? The, um, the learning curve of starting a business, running a business, it, it just, it kind of smacks you in the face. Yeah. So to go to events where you can talk with other entrepreneurs to really just even understand what that first stage of creating a business, creating a business plan looks like. So what are some of, in addition to that, what are some of the other things that you tell women when you're talking to them about things that they should be doing? Well, I've always been a firm believer from a standpoint of really understanding business fundamentals. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times what makes a business successful is how it's operated, how it's funded, and then how it scales. So understanding operational aspects, understanding hiring practices and what is needed. If you're operating within the state of California, knowing what the EDD is and the latest regu regulations that are coming through, um, 
because that is really the standpoint, I believe, of what catapults women into the next echelon of what their business is, is mm-hmm. by really taking reins of, of the business and understanding that. Um, and a lot of businesses, men or women, fail because that business responsibility gets passed off to someone. Um, and a lot of times it's someone that, in hindsight, probably wasn't the best person to move to help continue to scale. And again, that's a lot of entrepreneurship. You're not gonna yeah. get everything right on the first go, but and you do have to trust people from time to time, but l- making sure that you're making the right decisions on who to trust requires a lot of vetting. And again, it requires having a large network of people that you can really rely on and talk to, mm-hmm. to ensure that you're making the right decision for your business. Because a lot of times when somebody feels, either if it's their super strength or some, you know, whatever it is that was the impetus for them to start their business, they're not necessarily a business person. Correct. I would say that for for myself. You know, I wanted to do my own, have my own PR firm because I knew, I know PR inside and out Mm -hmm. and I love it. But, you know, my father is a philosopher, (laughs) you know, a philosophy professor. My mother is a Head Start director. So, you know, coming it from it very differently. So it is so important to have this network of people that you can turn to and ask questions. Exactly. I mean, it's a great example, Katie, of, you know, you have an expertise and you saw an opportunity in the marketplace to be able to build around that. And then I think the, the team that gets added, it really depends on what your goal is. Do you want to become a 50-person firm? Do you want to be a 10-person firm? Either one of those, there's not a wrong answer in there, but it's really more from a standpoint of making sure you're putting the business plan around in order for you to continue to hit that goal of what you want. Yeah. So moving away from the business stuff and talking more along the lines of the family stuff, one of the things that I'm always really interested in is how women, especially super successful women like you, find a way to balance, and I say that with trepidation because a lot of people don't Mm. like that word, but create a life that includes personal time, you have two kids, Mm -hmm. husband, and work. So what are some of the things that you do to find a way to balance everything and have everything going at once? Well, I've always been a person that's always done way too much within my calendar. You know, so I was a three-sport college athlete. I of always, course. <laughs> I just w- always operated like just way too busy. Um, I, I, my husband makes fun of me from the standpoint because it's I almost don't know how to scale back. Um, I get very agitated when I'm not just fully, just completely, totally busy. I'm getting better at that because I realize. I just have to also continue to evolve. And what the business needs me to be right now is not frenetic running around, you know, having my calendar packed. Like I need to have time. I need Mm. to have space to make sure that I'm planning and just not working in the business, but the longevity of the business. Um, But I've always just found ways to make time for things that are important to me. You know, I have two kids. My daughter is 11. My son is eight, really fun ages. And, you know, I've coached my son's soccer team for the last four seasons and really have just managed to make things a priority. Now, for a long time, I made a lot of sacrifices, too. Blue Sky was scaling at the same time that Zambezi was. I had two small kids and just chose to do things a little bit in a different way. In the early days of Zambezi, 
I really worked more part time mm -hmm. because I really wanted to have the flexibility specifically with my daughter. And then the business took off and then my son was born and my son was six months old when I was opening an office in China. Like looking back on it, you're like, I am amazed from time to time of how much I took on. But I think as long as you, it's right for you and right for your family, that's the thing that's most important. Um, you know, I've always made decisions about how things that were important from a standpoint of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that's most important for to have you be satisfied with the decisions that you're making, not necessarily what your mother thinks or society thinks the decisions that you should be putting first. When you were doing all of those things at the same time and always working on this speed, do you... A, a, I know I get this, and I've talked with a lot of other business women and friends that do too. They just sort of are end up walking around all the time with this this slightly panicky feeling of there must be something that I'm forgetting or not doing or yeah, yes, are I've there. Been... Uh, well, I just think also owning a business, you have that panicky feeling all yeah. the time of um, you know some great advice that my dad has given me, which is always. When I, I, I say it in my head, in fact, I said it in my head, you know, earlier this morning when I was um, going through some numbers is it's not as good as it seems. It's not as bad as it seems. That's a good one. Yeah. So and actually, it's a perfect segue to ask about advice from you. Uh -huh. So I like to just end these interviews by asking if there's one piece of advice now in, not including the one your dad just said, which was right. great too, that has helped guide you through your life and your career that you could share with us. What is it? You know, you are, everyone is a salesperson. In a, in a salesperson role, you know, what, what do salespeople hear 90% of the time is no. And you're going to hear no throughout your entire career from entry level all the way to the C-suite. And it's how you respond to no is really that's gonna define you with what you wanna make of your career and how you get there. Um, I, I think women more often so than men get very discouraged with the first time that they hear the word no, of feeling this is something I can't do, um, I'm just gonna try something different or pivot a different way. And I always reinforce to women that you should expect to hear no the, the, no one's going to accept a proposal on its first go around. Mm. Um, and just remembering that the perseverance and the resiliency that comes out of figuring out how to make a no a yes is what I feel really helps define careers. Well, it's worked for you. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with us. Great. Thanks, Katie. And thank you.